In their ever-present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later, the Homestar Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Trek West 5 is brought to you in part by RocketWebDesign.com, custom web design at template website prices. Designs by DD.blogspot.com, your online home for all your digital scrapbooking needs. Need a home along the Wasatch Front? Contact Lisa DeVagere with Kirkham & Friends Real Estate. No one will work harder for your home. And thehomestarmy.com, blogging to the world since 2004. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to podcast 142. I am Peter. And I am Joey. And uh, we're in a new secret bunker. Something that may actually qualify as a bunker. <laughs> of, of all of the places we may have called a bunker at one point, this is the closest. This is the closest yeah. I feel. Yeah, we're uh, we're down in my basement, and we are actually changing the uh, the tagline of the podcast to "Live Life, Make Memories, Create Scrapbooks," which is uh, why I had that put I, up I, on the wall. I didn't realize that that's what that was for. Okay, yeah, that's our and new... I did that in preparation for this podcast. So it's no longer the Home Army Presents Trek West 5. It's Trek West 5, Live Life, Make <laughs> Memories, Create Scrapbooks. Yes. <laughs> what with our extreme love of scrapbooking. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to mock scrapbooking. <laughs> that could get me in so much Your trouble. Your wife doesn't on. listen to this podcast. <laughs> you know, someone may come and talk to her. <laughs> anyway, we have... A, an extreme surprise. The intern has returned to us. And he's back. And there he is. Uh, I was really surprised that you would be back. And uh, I, I thought for sure you would have died. Uh, having done manual labor all summer long. <laughs> I, I really didn't expect you to, <laughs> to handle that. Certainly didn't expect him to come back just as heavy. Uh... I mean, in the black trench coat down there in the St. George heat, picking weeds. <laughs> just see him out there with a, a rake or a scythe, you know, just going after the weeds. <laughs> I, I don't know. I assume it's, you know, that backwoods back there that they, that's the, as far as the development of, uh, you know, iron tools have managed to progress. In, into the backwoods of Southern Utah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Okay. Uh, everybody, welcome back. Uh, pleasure to have you here. Um, Joey, do you have any announcements? I don't think so. Uh, okay, nothing we need to kind of bring up and say. I do, and then I've got a few emails that we need to read before okay. we get into our, our normal stuff. So, I, as I posted up on Facebook, I went and saw the uh, Batman uh, final trilogy. The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And thoroughly enjoyed it. Loads and loads of, of fun for me. Really enjoyed it. Had a good time. And somebody posted up, uh, I think it was uh, our friend Curtis, talked about, oh man, that's like, you know, that's one of the great trilogies of all time. And then I said, you know, it's got to be up in like the top ten list easily. So I went out there looking to see if I could find, and there really isn't that many trilogies out there. Okay. So a top ten list 
really doesn't even sound all that spectacular. It's not like all of them. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I of the ones I found, I think there was like one list had twenty five, one list had thirty three, and I was like, okay, I feel like you guys might be stretching it just a little bit. So what I decided to do is actually put together my top ten list of trilogies that are out there. These are movie trilogies. And uh, I, this is informal. I just did this today. Now, if it had more than three movies in the series, did you disqualify it? There were a couple that I did, and there were a couple that I just ignored it and said, yeah, I really didn't care for the fourth. Okay. Um, so, anyway, at number ten, I have The Naked Gun. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who doesn't, who we're, doesn't we're, love those movies? Weren't there just... 33 and one-third of those? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the last one, yeah, that's true. So I guess that maybe doesn't count. Um, okay, th- number nine is Die Hard. Okay. Um, and again, I just basically, at the, at the fourth one, it's sort of like... Uh, you took some liberties. It didn't, didn't really happen. Uh, although, <laughs> I suppose, a nice action movie. Uh, but uh, still, a solid set of movies. Um, number eight, Mad Max. Okay. The Mad Max series, I just love, love, love that whole idea of yeah. this post-apocalyptic world and the the stories that get got woven yeah, into sure. it. Like at the very end in Beyond Thunderdome when they're like, they show the picture of Mad Max and they're like, hey, it's you. And it's like, <laughs> son of a gun. Like how in the world did somebody know that that guy was coming along? Uh, really cool. I, I won't get carried the rest of your list now because I think I would be inclined to put Mad Max higher. Okay. But I, I want to hear what, I want to hear what's next. Okay. Um, so number seven is uh, The Man With No Name, also known as the Dollars Trilogy. Okay. Fistful Plenty of Dollars for a few dollars more and The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yep. Um, it It's just... The Sergio Leone... Amazing westerns, just fantastic stories. The first two are a little more... Fun, in my opinion, the good, the bad, and the ugly is just honestly one of the finest films, stories that have ever been told through film, in my opinion, again. Okay. Uh, number six is Star Wars, the original. Episodes four, five, and six, in my mind, I think those are they're really cool trilogies. And they're, you know, started back in the 70s and, uh, you know, told the story all the way through three movies. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, number five, Back to the Future. Yeah. Yes. I, who doesn't enjoy those movies? I think that would be my number three. Is also it, a fun set okay. of video games. Oh, I never played any of the I've video games. I never played video games either. I have it on Steam, if you want to play. <laughs> okay. Uh, number four, The Bourne Trilogy. I, I think those are just wow. an awesome set of action movies. I love that, you know, we have Jason Bourne who goes through this arc through these three movies. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Okay. Number three, the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, one and two were both just automatic home runs, in my opinion. The third one, not as awesome as the other two, but still pretty good. Still really good. Number two, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the fourth one never happened <laughs> at all. I actually like the fourth one. Wait, uh, wait, wait. Which was the fourth one? Crystal Skull. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, when they got, like, Sorry. oddly science fiction-y. When they were trying to replace him. 
Well, they were trying. They, you know why they went science fictiony, right? You've no. heard the rationale behind that. Uh-uh. Because that's what started to become pop culture in America at that time of of the nation's development. Oh, okay. So they were trying to track what was you know what were people reading in the 1950s? They'd stopped reading the adventure stories and they were more into the science fiction, and that's why the story evolved into what it did. I mean, they actually had what I thought was a fair rationale. Uh, maybe the execution could have used some help. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, then uh, I think you can well guess what number one is going to be. Rocky uh, one, two, and three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because number four is like uh, the best one. Uh, no, it's Lord of the Rings. Yeah, absolutely. It, that is just one amazing trilogy that was so incredibly well put together. Um, I mean, other ones that didn't make the list but were obviously up there, Terminator... Um, Jurassic Park, um, Lethal Weapon, The Lost Room. The what? The Lost Room wasn't a movie. <laughs> oh, they were movie long, weren't they? It's just a thing no. Aaron has made up in his own mind. No, it's a mini series <laughs> on the Sci Fi Channel. Um, anyway, I, I didn't mean for you know everybody else out there to start hating my list, uh, but if you do, that's okay. I'd love to hear what some of you guys think, so if you want to send in a top ten list of trilogies, we'll happily read them on the air. I'd have to say Lord of the Rings, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future. I think that would be my top three for sure out of the ones that you mentioned. I'm not looking at the full list of 35, so there may be some other ones in there (laughs) that I enjoyed maybe more than you did, but those ones are clear standouts. Yeah, just, just absolute funs. Um, uh, anyway, that, that's one of the things I wanted to bring up. Okay. Uh, so we've got some emails that we need to read. Okay. So we are going to first start off with JD. He says, been watching the newsroom via the internet. I had no idea the show had started up before a few episodes of Trek West 5 ago. I like that we're the standard by which yeah. he's, he's oh, counting. We're now, now a unit of measurement. <laughs> uh, so, I, I also like that we're apparently his sole source of information. <laughs> no other source in the universe told me could have possibly informed me about this. It's a good thing there's Trek West 5. <laughs> uh, he continues, I had no idea the show had started up before... Uh, sorry, sorry. So far, I've watched the first quartet of episodes, and holy schnitz, uh, schnitzy, S-C-H-Z-N-I-T-Y. Schnitty? Schnitzy? There's no Z at the end. I don't know. It's itty at the end. Schnitzy. I don't know. Maybe he's trying. I don't know. I'm sorry, JD. I've ruined this. <laughs> Maybe it's he like took a- the time to email in, and I ruined. Pete can't even pronounce words. Maybe it's like the reverse of a silent Z. You don't put it, but it's in there. <laughs> um, I'll go with Phil Rizzuto's. Holy cow! <laughs> uh, it's a powerful show. Very typical sorts uh, Sorkin, and therefore easy to get lost in, but impossible not to pay attention to. It's weird not seeing any typical actors from his previous shows not popping up, but I keep hoping it will happen at some point. The biggest criticism I have is of the news aspect of it. The fictional news network seen on that show seems way too level-headed to be mistaken for the real world. Yes, I think that is the point. Sorkin is probably lampooning Fox News 
and CNN with it. I don't know, though. LOL. I'd like to think the people behind the scenes of the media outlets were as integrity-bound as the characters in the newsroom are, though. Jeff Daniels really is incredible as Will McAvoy. I love that character. I like to think he and Sam Seaborn or Toby Ziegler are friends or at least know each other through their <laughs> professional career crossroads. JD. You know, I hadn't mentioned this, I don't think, earlier, but up until this past week's episode 5-1, uh, there was a moment in each one of the episodes of the newsroom where I had to pause it and stop and think about what the people had just said. Because the dialogue was flying around so fast and the way they were speaking things, the, the Sorkin-y dialogue. And I was like, I want to make sure I understand the point he's trying to make here. So I'd actually pause the episode and I'd be thinking, well, I've been watching it with my wife. And so she'll just turn and look at me with this <laughs> long-suffering look on her face, waiting for me to unpause it. Come on, like, Joe, we just get on with it. <laughs> I'm like, like, don't you want to think about this? She's like, I'm not understanding a word they're saying anyway. Please just play the show. <laughs> Well, she just enjoys certain characters wandering yeah, around making yeah. sounds. Yeah, she, she she mostly likes watching the di dynamic between... I keep wanting to call it the Jim and Pam. It's the Jim and Maggie. I don't know what her name is, uh, but I saw her recently in... Um, oh, crap. I'm going to ruin the name of the movie. Something versus the world. Scott Pilgrim? Scott Pilgrim okay. versus the world. Who was she in Scott Pilgrim? She was the drummer. <laughs> and it's like oh, so yeah. different. Like she and that drummer was like, she was rail thin. Yeah. Um, and so in your face too. And I, I don't know. <laughs> she was, anyway, that movie was awesome. If anybody hasn't seen it, go out and get Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I think it is awesome. It I love Michael Sarah, and the, the rest of the story just flowed really well. It was cool. It was one of the films that I have laughed out loud multiple times, and that has not happened a lot. Anyway, it was cool. Thank you, JD, yeah, uh, for, for what you sent in. Uh, I've got another email here from Mark. Okay. Listen Captain to him. <laughs> he says... Hey guys, a surprising picture from the new Mars rover. So I thought I'd maybe share this with you. I can't see that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yankee go home. <laughs> we'll, po we'll maybe post the picture up, but maybe I'll put it on fa uh, Facebook. But it's a picture of a bunch of Martians out there with like signs saying, Yankees go home, you know, we don't want you here. Um, it was, I found it really pretty funny. I saw one where the rover was holding a sign that says, is John Carter here? Dudos me money. <laughs> I liked the one that had Marvin the Martian peeking around the side <laughs> of the camera. Awesome. <laughs> He's looking at the camera like, what? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I, I got a good, good chuckle out of that thing. So, okay. uh, Mark, thanks for sending that in. Yeah, I haven't seen this back. Yes, I do. You do need the, the. I haven't seen one with the Martian Manhunter. <laughs> That's true. Why Get hasn't someone put that together? To Come on, Internet. We're relying on you for all of our humor. Um, okay, so um, the, uh, the next thing that I wanted to read is an email from listener Bob. But I don't know if you maybe want me to wait on this. 
based on Joey's Culture Corner. Is is this his review of yes, Batman? Yes, it is. No, go ahead. Go Are on. you sure? Yeah. You're sure? I'm sure. I don't want to no, steal no, any okay. thunder. I don't, I don't want to keep everything spread out so much. I will defer to listener Bob. Okay. Listener Bob says this. Hi, fellas. I'm glad you are doing Sherlock. It is a show I that I haven't gotten around to seeing as of yet, but plan to once Ramadan fasting and work die down over the next 10 days or so. Um, so sadly, I won't be sending any comments for the first episode, at least. Uh, happy Ramadan. Um, I hope I didn't say something offensive by wishing you a happy Ramadan. Um, by the way, it's pronounced Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> as in Holmes, the place people live. I wondered if somebody would call you on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you I was, need help uh, pronouncing Sherlock Holmes? I was referring to the actor's name, of course, the actor's name. He says, I know English uh, can be such a tricky language with <laughs> Americans. <laughs> Um, and he's got a little smiley face on there. You are a very, very clever man, Bob. Um, but uh, no, Sherlock Holmes is uh, something I knew how to pronounce. Although I pronounced it Holmes. I put a little L in there. He's telling me not to put an L. Holmes. Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Hey, Gubna. That sounds about right. I, I, I Although if you're going to do that, you talk I, like that the rest of the podcast. I believe you have to say Holmes. Holmes. Right then. I would, however, like to give... Uh, no, I just went into Australia. <laughs> I tried, everybody. Nope, I screwed that up. I, I honestly, I went into Australian. I apologize to everyone that it, uh, that just heard that. Both, both Australian <laughs> and British. <laughs> uh, oh, before I go on, we also have a new uh, fan on Facebook... Her name's Julia. Yeah, I saw that. I don't know who she is. I wondered if it was the listener Julia we used to have under West Wing. Did we have a listener Julia? I thought we did. We had Krista. We had Julia from California. Did we? Krista was Flamingo. Yeah. We had a Julia from California. What was her nickname then? I don't think she had a nickname. Her husband was a police officer. Or some kind of... Alright, Julia, if you're listening... We need you to to help uh, yeah, identify yourself. Yes. <laughs> um, we could go all bond with it, like Julia, listener Julia. <laughs> we won't give her a name yet until we determine who she actually is, if she really is Julia. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm just glad we're past the part where I'm reading in an accent. <laughs> Bob continues, I would, however, like to give a spoiler-filled review of The Dark Knight Rises. Feel free to not read this out if you don't want to spoil the movie for anyone. Let me just say, spoiler, right now, if you haven't seen Dark Knight, stop listening. Maybe go about five minutes into the future or something. I don't know. We're going to spoil some stuff. If you can go five minutes in the future, please contact me directly. I have some <laughs> things I need you to do while you're there. <laughs> what is Aaron? Trying to go five minutes into the future. <laughs> he hasn't seen Batman yet. Uh, I, oh, you haven't seen Batman yet. <laughs> go ahead. Are you sure? I, I'm not I, a I big... spoiled it all for him two nights yeah. ago. So. Okay. Okay. Besides, I read this through and I don't feel like he spoiled much. Okay. Okay, a lot has been said about the final chapter, final part of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Maybe too much, but here is my take. 
the the one standout aspect of the movie was that Batman only really showed up twice. This was really a movie about Bruce Wayne and his journey. The universe truly shows that Batman is just a tool for Wayne to save Gotham, rather than the whole load of fun and campiness that we saw through the Burton Schumacher era in the 90s. It is a much less chaotic movie than The Dark Knight. This is really down to Bane and his methodical terrorizing of Gotham, whereas The Joker was all about not having a plan when he really did, Bane is almost the complete opposite. I mean, you couldn't have had another Joker film as it would have felt too much of the same. The the raw power and physicality that Bane has is a wonderful foil for Batman who manages to beat every opponent he goes up against physically. Only this time, he doesn't. The Batman set pieces were executed flawlessly which is what you pretty much come to expect from this particular production team. The Bat looked great, and the scene reintroducing Batman was truly excellent. The fights with Bane were also excellently choreographed. As as someone who has read the Nightfall comics, where Bane totally defeats an aging Batman, it was gut-wrenching to see Kane break Batman's back. I literally had my jaw hit the floor. Bane or Kane? Bane. Bane. And I don't know if he's referring to the movie or to the comics. The comics. Which one he really had his jaw hit the floor on. Um, The outstanding character was Selena Kyle. Anne Hathaway has really matured as an actress and was really perfectly cast in the role. I can't wait to see her in Les Mis later this year as well. The movie did well to tie up plot points and threads throughout all three films. The callbacks to Batman Begins through Raz al Ghul and Talia may seem contrived, but was probably more natural to this Nolan universe. Not to forget John Blake, I thought that Joseph Gordon-Levitt was an unsung hero in this film much like Inception. He gave the suffering endured by the Gothamites a face and a name. The ending with Blake in the Batcave, then cutting to the credits, was probably the best way to end it, to show that anyone can be Batman. The uh, It is just a symbol for justice and a stand against, and a stand against criminals. I don't think it is a setup for another franchise. Whereas in The Dark Knight, I was dreading every scene with the Joker, in this one, I was dragged to the depths of despair, literally, before The Dark Knight rose slightly. I think more so that Bruce Wayne rose rather than Batman, making the title of this film a bit misleading. I wasn't as annoyed with the happy ending that Bruce and Selina received. Well, not as much as others. I think Bruce Wayne deserves a bit of happiness after putting life and limb on the line for the people of Gotham. I think it was a satisfying end to the trilogy. On reflection, I don't know if it was as good as The Dark Knight. I need a repeat viewing. But it definitely left me more emotionally drained than the previous installment. 
I can't wait to see what Nolan will be doing with Superman next year in Man of Steel, which Zack Snyder is directing. I'm not Snyder's biggest fan, although Watchmen and 300, sorry, although The Watchmen and 300. <laughs> you had to go back and, and break it. <laughs> I had to re-add that in, yes. Uh, are visually impressive. I think the big blue Boy Scout is in safe hands with Nolan. I am sorry if I have ruined the movie for anyone. I haven't been able to speak to people apart from SpongeBob about it, and it was a good and it was good to get this off my chest. Enjoy Sherlock. All the best, Bob. Uh, Bob, if uh, you need a partner to go and see the movie with you, I'm up. I'm in. Let's go and see this movie. I am more than happy to be your uh, movie partner. The Dark Knight. Rises. Yeah. Uh, I would love to go back and see it again. I, I'm going to have to disagree with him here. Not anybody can be Batman. I know I couldn't. <laughs> I would make the worst Batman ever. Uh, that would be interesting. Alfred would be all, oh, it's the bat signal. I'll get it tomorrow. <laughs> Listener Bob, thank you very much for that for that email. I, I'll, I'll, I'll have some things to respond to later. Okay. Uh, where, where do we want to go next? Do you have more Facebook emails? Find of the Week. Facebook Find of the Week. goes to... Our, our absentee founder, J.D., <laughs> yes. for the uh, the Mars Rover Panorama. Ah, yes. I he sent that. Cool. He sent that through in an email, and uh, I posted it up. I thought it was really awesome. And what's cool is we beat Fishhead to the punch. <laughs> <laughs> was he planning on posting yeah, he, that? Uh, he IM'd me. He's like, yeah, I was actually, I had that in my list to add up to uh, the Facebook uh, page. And I was like, yes, so we beat you to it. <laughs> Which, uh, I don't know why I'm so exultant over that. I mean, he goes to a lot of trouble to get a lot of stuff to post up to our page. So, thank you, Fishhead and JD. You should send JD one of the prizes. Yeah, I should. I don't think he's gotten any Probably of them. no, because he stopped being a part of the group. Before we started doing mm-hmm. the prizes. Yeah, okay. So, you got to send this out. JD, if you're listening, you should be getting a prize from Joey. Yep. If he doesn't send it to you, it's because he doesn't love you. <laughs> But I still like you. As That's a why friend. I never got mine. <laughs> um, makes sense. Anywho, um, Brainy Smurf. Brainy Smurf. He starts out. Uh, the email is tacos. The, this should That's be the subject line. Tacos. Yes. Okay. Uh, he says next week Joey and I will be combining forces to examine a novel. Oh, the novel, a Game of Thrones. <laughs> What? The Game of Thrones. No, he's, he's got a Game of Thrones. Oh, all right. So maybe you haven't been reading the correct novel all this time. You've been <laughs> reading possible. That, that filthy rag that uh, you, know, you keep talking about. A Game of Thrones is a children's book. <laughs> um, anyway, this week's Nook of Darkness is the pregame, where I provide a little bit of the background to this massive subject. So this dude named George R.R. R. Martin is the author of the series of books called A Song of Ice and Fire. Before that, he received a pair of Hugo Awards for his short story, The Way of Cross and Dragon, and his novelette, Sand Kings. He wrote for some TV series in the 80s, such as The Twilight Zone, where he worked with JMS. George R.R. R. Martin, however eventually realized that visual media failed to encapsulate the breadth of storytelling that he envisioned. So in 1996, 
he published the first installment of A Song of Ice and Fire, titled A Game of Thrones. Once again, it says A. Okay. The story takes place in a land called Westeros, where dragons have been extinct for 300 years. Something cataclysmic also occurred a long time ago that changed the seasons to an alternating winter and summer, where each could last a decade. In the frozen north, a super humongous wall was constructed 8,000 years ago to keep out the others. No, the others aren't a group of hostile Egyptian god-worshipping Magical island-dwelling <laughs> savages who love the, to antagonize the Dharma Initiative. And yes, um, a Game of Thrones predates Lost by eight years. In the ancient days, there were giants, dragons, wood nymphs, and magic was a powerful force of nature. The Others is the term for the evil creatures that had ravaged the land. Here is a quote from A Game of Thrones describing them. Quote, They were cold things, dead things, that hated iron, fire, and the touch of the sun, and every creature with hot blood in their veins. Close quote. Old Nan proceeds to tell uh, Bran how the others rode pale, dead horses into battle, leading legions of the undead humans called whites. They were also, there were also giant ice spiders. They nearly killed everyone. Somehow they were stopped and have been dormant for thousands of years until the beginning of A Game of Thrones. I think it's interesting in that his uh, recounting of George R. R. Martin's biography, or I guess bibliography... He doesn't mention all of the raping that uh, he doesn't, Martin received? Well, no, no, he doesn't mention the uh, Wild Card series, which I think is actually the height of George R. R. Martin's creative ability. It's a series set in World War II where uh, certain individuals on planet Earth develop superpowers as a result of... Well, I don't want to spoil the series. As a result of certain events that happen in the series. Something happened. Yeah, and, uh, and then he proceeds to examine how... World War II might have played out differently if you had a few superheroes on the Axis side and the Allies side, and and they they have. Isn't that what the story of Captain America is all about? Captain America didn't have superpowers. Um, he was an enhanced human. That's pretty super to me. <laughs> and it did seem like he was powerful. All right. Then you had the red guy. The red skull. <laughs> Anyway, it's it's a it's an interesting series. I, I actually felt that it's why I picked up Song of Ice and Fire in the first place because I loved the Wild Card series. I thought I read them when I was a teenager and I thought they were good stuff. And I was like, oh hey, that that writer, I haven't seen anything from him in twenty years, you know, and and picked it up. And uh, I'll talk next week about what I thought after reading the series. This is supposed to be our world because I've seen a Sci-Fi Channel movie, Ice Spiders. So, <laughs> was they, that was that on they, at the same time as as Mega Shark versus uh, what was it? Mega Shark versus something. Can't remember now. It's another Sci-Fi Channel film. Super Croc. Yeah, Mega Mega Shark versus Super Croc. That might have been it. 
I don't know. Okay. Hey, Joey's Culture Corner. Joey's Culture Corner is my response to the third installment <laughs> in the Christopher Nolan series. About oh, wait. You know what we need? <laughs> I just thought of it. About this to interrupt me? <laughs> well, well done, was... sir. Well done. <laughs> that was just a happy accident, really. Uh, and I'm sorry about that. Truly, I am. But I thought we might have a new segment. Since, you know, we don't have John here. Okay. We could do Interns Insights as a new uh, uh, little segment uh, where the intern could share with us some of the insights that he has gained from, you know, scything away all of the, <laughs> all of the weeds in uh, southern Utah. All right, intern. Aaron? Insight. Insights from my life? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as an intern, well, as an international intern for TriQuest 5. Yeah. Um, or uh, your life in general. How, how is your French coming, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> if you're getting bed sores, flip over to the other side. <laughs> well, you've heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Hopefully you haven't heard it here first. <laughs> Hopefully someone has advised you of that long before now. <laughs> Not that many of you stay in bed as so long that you have bed sores. Yeah. and uh, But if you get your 14 hours of sleep a day. Okay, well, I think that was a rousing success. Uh, I think we can probably just skip Joey's culture corner from now on. <laughs> um, or at least for this week, anyway. So I think I saw Batman, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I think I saw it about 24 hours probably before you did, right around in that. Oh, so you saw it this week as well? Yeah, I saw it Tuesday oh, night. Oh, that's cool. I uh, went with my wife and, and a couple of friends. And, uh, that would have been awesome if you would have said Beth and And, <laughs> and, and I took my kids, yeah. <laughs> like, they must have been screaming the entire time. Like, Daddy, what are they doing to Batman? So here's what I decided after watching the first two films. I decided going into this movie, okay, I am not going to think of this as a Batman movie. I'm going to think of it as random rich superhero movie. And on that aspect, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Because once again, we see that Christopher Nolan has no respect for Batman's subtitle, The World's Greatest Detective. Okay, who gave him that subtitle? DC Comics. Bob Kane. I've never seen it. It's the subtitle to the comic book Batman. It says Batman, and underneath it, The World's Greatest Detective. He started in Detective (laughs) Comics, like Superman started in Action Action Comics. Yeah. So uh, that's my biggest beef overall, is just that, why do you have to take Batman if really what you want to make is an action film? Action films are great. I have nothing against them. But to say we're going to make a story about Batman and he's going to be hoodwinked by Talia al Ghul is just not believable. Especially when anyone in the audience who'd ever read the Batman comic books knew from the first moment you meet Talia al Ghul, oh yeah, that's Raz's daughter. Or okay, as, as I've been told, it's supposed to be pronounced Talia. as is Raish Al Ghul. Yes. That, that's the way I was brought up because of Batman the Animated Series, which is the way I'd prefer to say it. Yeah, it sounds better. It does. Um, and, and, you know, they, they totally change up the, the Bane storyline. They change up the, the Al Ghul family storyline. They're just, they're so, I mean, Ra's Al Ghul is thousands of years old. <laughs> the, the idea that, oh yeah, he was this 
mercenary soldier just, you know, 40 or 50 years ago. It was kind of bizarre. I don't know. I, this feels more real world-ish. Even though, yeah, okay, super villains don't <laughs> really exist. But you know what? I find that more believable than the Lazarus Pit. Okay. Where Ra's al Ghul would, you know, go to revive himself. And, and, and that's how he's managed and again, to live I, that life. I have no problem with Christopher Nolan wanting to make a movie about the kind of character that Bruce Wayne portrays, the kind of character of Batman, but to say, to use that label Batman and then ignore all of the the history, the, the rich legends of Batman is just kind of offensive to me a little bit, and it, and it upsets me. But with putting all that aside and saying, okay, we're just watching it as a random action movie, I thought it was pretty good. I liked the the development of the Bruce Wayne character as he starts off the movie and he's kind of bitter and angry and and sh- uh, shut in. Seems like he's got no point to life anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, and for him to to rediscover his passion and his reason for doing what he does. Or at least a more pure form of it by the end. Okay, sure. Uh, I, 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 I don't think I would take anything away from the form of it he had in the first two movies, but... He certainly came came to a realization of why I should not be a shut-in anymore, why I need to get back out there and fight. I still had a couple of problems with the movie. First, first one being, the movie should have ended with them pulling the drape off of the statue of Batman. Finish the movie right there. Don't so like, show Robin. <laughs> I feel, honestly, that, that moment, it felt like the scene from Rocky. <laughs> which I know in that scene right there that's like the beginning of the movie yeah. but it still felt like yeah Batman and it's like where he raises his arms after climbing <laughs> the stairs yes yeah that, that is where I wish they would have ended the movie with the ambiguity especially because Gary Oldman does such a great job throughout the series but really in that scene right there of you, you see the warring emotions playing out in the character of Jim Gordon where he, he loves Batman because he knows what Batman has sacrificed for his city. But at the same time, he knows that he, he, needs to, he needs to not be this symbol. When we hold up a vigilante like this, there's a cost for us as a city in, in what we actually believe. And you know, we're, we're glorifying the wrong thing. It, it, it's funny you, you bring up Jim Gordon. Um, uh, my friend John Madsen. Uh-huh. He does another podcast called uh, Geeking Off, geekingoffpodcast.blogspot.com, uh, and you can go. They did a review of it. He and uh, some of you know his friends they did a review, and they said, "Wasn't it amazing that it seemed like everybody else in the entire movie knew who uh, Batman was, but Jim Gordon had no idea." Like, <laughs> yeah, Jim yeah, Gordon's the, the, only, the only one in the dark about who Batman really is. Everybody else? Yeah, got it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. was, oh hey, Bruce. Yeah, hey, you Bruce. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> that was kind of a little bit odd. Um, there, there's a humorous uh, Cracked video where it's these young <laughs> girls sitting around talking about Batman, and they figure out who he is. And they're like, we have to tell somebody. And Commissioner Gordon pops in the room and he's like, you need to sign these non uh, <laughs> non disclosure non disclosure statements, saying you'll never tell Bruce that you know who he is. 
and, and the whole premise of the bit is the every, whole town knows. Everyone knows that it's Bruce Wayne, but we've just kind of been letting him do it because if he know if he knows that we know, he'll stop being Batman. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But you know that I mean the the whole idea of ending the movie with everything is happy and sunshine and candy and rainbows. It takes away, in my opinion, from the dramatic moment that we just experienced of Batman climbing uh, uh, into the jet and a nuclear bomb going off. Yeah, you know, a mile outside of the city. Yeah. I, I, so I found myself pretty disappointed. I felt like he ruined his own ending, and especially because it's Christopher Nolan. We're talking about the guy. Who made Inception and left that top at the at the final scene? I'm not going to say anything more than he left the top in the final scene, and the audience that I was with at the time when the movie went to black groaned out loud, and a couple people shouted at the screen, "You've got to be kidding me! You can't end it like that!" And I was cheering. You know, I'm not out loud, but deep inside, I was going. Finally, a director with the guts to leave a little bit of story on the table and leave it up to you to find out what did all of this really mean. Well. Here in Batman: The Dark Knight Rises, he spoon feeds the audience all the answers, and I, I gives felt, it gives him a happy ending. He does. He does. Pure I, and simple. I, I gives I, him a happy. I felt ending. he should not have done that. I felt yeah. it was a stronger movie if you end it with Jim Gordon sitting there with that look on his face of, ah, I hate that we're glorifying this. guy. I, I would say if you have to pick a superhero to not have a happy ending, Batman, Batman is the yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can't have that with Superman. Uh, I, I don't know. I think Superman. I think he could go that way too. Because he's, you know, it's all about the sacrifice of giving up the Clark Kent identity to save the rest of the world. I suppose, but Batman's always been like the the dark. No matter what Batman. happens, he's going to survive it and be there as the shining example at the end. <laughs> it, I guess, I would have been okay if we just see Alfred sit down at that restaurant and then he looks over and smiles, but they don't ever pan over and let us see what he's smiling at. That, I'd be okay that with that. That would have been better. I would have been cool with that. But dude. I'm actually saying we, we should cut mm-hmm. the whole Robin sequence. I, I don't yeah, think that belonged. I hated that they named him... Robin? Robin. They're yes. like, oh, here, here's my real name. Yeah. Oh, Robin, you should use that more often. It's like, <laughs> come on. I, I hated the idea that... I mean, okay, I'm, I'm fine with the idea of the Wayne Manor being given over to a boy's home. My only problem with that is... At no point are any of those boys going to stumble on any of the entrances to the Bat Cave, <laughs> and that becomes a problem right away. <laughs> there, there's at least two or three that I'm aware of. I don't know. It, yeah. it is weird. I can see a bunch of you know boys running around with like the the Bat grappling hook things, <laughs> throwing bats at each other, shooting each other with the Bat sleep darts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. You know, I, I did feel like it was a good action movie. I felt that... To, it's, a, it's a cool uh, new toy that we were introduced The Bat? To. Yes. Yeah, that was kind of cool. The, you know, there were some moments in there that I, I think not a lot of directors would have had the guts to really crush Bruce Wayne's soul the way Christopher Nolan did. I mean, the fact that he gets down there and not only does he get physically broken by Bane, but he finds out that they've been tunneling up underneath his arsenal this whole time. Yeah. And, and 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 then for Bane to actually deliver line, oh good, I was wondering what would break first, your spirit or your body. <laughs> just so well done. I, I you know I I see what you're saying about he's going for a little more of the realism, so not so much of the you know you don't have the venom and you don't have the Lazarus pits and things like that. I, I I'm I'm all right with that. Just don't call it Batman. <laughs> as as a series, I'm gonna say I think that three is probably actually in my opinion the strongest entry. 
Hmm. Um, because it's more about the human being, the strength of the human being, than it is about the strength of the symbol. Whereas the Dark Knight ends, the high point of the Dark Knight is, it's all about the symbol. The Dark Knight Rises is all about, it's all about the person that embodies the symbol. And it's the strength of Bruce Wayne that makes the symbol what it is. Eh, I think you got that backwards, but that's okay. Um, the uh, I, I Once again, just a plug, go and listen to my friend John Madsen's uh, thing um, where they talk about it. They bring up a lot of really interesting points, some really funny stuff too. I won't give away any of it. Um, and lastly, I hope they don't make any more. I, I think hope he's Nolan. done. Nolan, well, so Nolan's done. They're already shopping around to find a director to restart it right away. Sure, yeah. And I, I hope they don't. I hope they wait ten years. No, they're talking Personally. about. They're talking Personally. about three to five years at most. Okay. Before we'll see another Batman movie in theaters. Uh, can we start calling them Batman? <laughs> I'm alright with that. Batman. But only if we start calling them robots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with robots. Okay, moving on to uh, episodes. Uh, we Episode. Are, we are going to be covering. Uh, we're going to be doing the Sherlock Holmes, the BBC Holmes, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> That's like the only thing I'll get to say in an accent. You always have to Until throw the governor we get, like, in. Until like some there. Scottish people. Is, is that why? Is that why you went into the Australian because you didn't have enough governors littered in there to keep you on track? Yeah, I would have just been a stream of governors, <laughs> like ever after that. Um, anyway, so BBC's put out. I think they did it like a couple years ago. I think it first came out in 2011. Is that right? Yes. Um, the the Sherlock Holmes thing. They did three little episodes, mini movies um, in 2011. They did three in 2012, and it looks as though they planned to do three in 2013. So we're gonna do the oh, first really? six. And uh, then we'll maybe we'll come back and we'll do the others once they finally come yeah. out and whatnot. I, I don't know if if uh, Moffat's going to be involved in those because he had initially said that he only wanted to do the first series. They really pushed him hard to do a second series, but he kind of said that he didn't. He's like, yeah, okay, we'll do one more series, but that's going to be it. So it may not be Moffat coming back as the creative director for the the third series, which would be a shame because I I think Moffat does a great job. When well, he when he's he clearly took, nailed this. When he took over for um, Russell T Davis in uh, the Doctor Who series, I was like, mm, not as good. He isn't good. I he won me over. And I, I think Moffat is a, is a great writer. I think he knows how to tell a story. And I have loved everything that I've watched so far with Sherlock. Now, I've seen the first three episodes. Um, so I'm, I'm all caught up there and whatnot. Haven't decided if I'm going to watch the, the last three in, uh, from season two or, or what I'll do. I'm not sure okay. what my plan is yet. Um, so you, you heard my advice to John on that, right? Uh, to John or to me? Was it to you? I think it was to me. Okay. Which was to watch it. Watch yes. it for enjoyment first and then come back to yeah. watch it for notes. And I, I think I may. Anywho. Um, so we're going to start off with the first one, which is A Study in Pink. Which is a play. All, all, all of the episode titles are plays on titles from the original Sherlock Holmes stories. So this is a play on A Study in Scarlet. And it's actually a variation of the same story as well. I would hope that they're going to be varying the the stories 
you know, quite a bit. Modernizing yeah. it is going to change yes. them. Yes, yeah. It, it has to. Now, before we dive all the way into the Sherlock story series, have you heard about Elementary? Did I talk to you about this already? It's a show starting on CBS this fall. Oh, you did mention that to where, me, Joey. Uh, you did. Sherlock Holmes has come to the U.S., and he's here as a recovering heroin addict and is uh, seeing a therapist who is Lucy Liu playing Dr. Joanne Watson. And from the trailers, it looks like there's going to be some romantic tension in there because what the Holmes story really needed was romantic tension between Holmes and Watson. <laughs> I think I've read some slash fiction. <laughs> oh. like, what? No, Aaron, Aaron, no. <laughs> Never read that. Never. Um, okay, well, I suppose that could be interesting. It's a, a unique way of telling yeah. it. Um, as listener Fishhead was telling me, there's lots and lots of different stories that they still can do with Sherlock. So there's like oh, yeah. 40 or 45. Yeah, I think there's plenty of room for them to really go. Um I think they could turn it into, you know, kind of a masterpiece theater, you know, with, uh, oh, shoot, the Agatha Christie stuff. Okay. Um, or Detective Poirot. I, gotcha. Okay. When yeah, you said which, masterpiece theater, the only thing I thought of was Cookie Monster. Welcome to Monsterpiece Theater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway. Um, so... I am really not annoyed, but kind of like bummed out that I don't know more about the stories of Sherlock Holmes because I'm willing to bet that they're throwing in little tidbits, oh, little yeah. pieces yeah. that are like in the background of the set that are like, oh yeah, as a fan, I would totally recognize that from, you know, what Sir Arthur Conan Doyle originally wrote and... You know, these these external things that I just see as, you know, normal set pieces, but there's a meaning behind it. There's a lot of depth to what's going I, on. I'm sure that there that that's the case. Because I I know that these guys are intelligent writers and they would do that. One of the best gifts Joey ever gave me was the the big blue uh complete works of Yeah. It's it's all of his books in one book. It's it's <laughs> huge. <laughs> but it has like all the original like artistry and stuff in it nice uh anyway i there's no way i'm going to be able to read all of it if we could get it on audio i could listen to it all but uh i think i have some of it on audio some of it i read the hound of the baskervilles okay enjoyed it it was good that i haven't gone any further that's actually not my favorite one uh, out of the, in fact, I'd put it close oh, to the bottom. Dang it! I the, and you know that's what I was going for when I first picked it up. I, the, the, I assume this is Joey's favorite. <laughs> we could just find you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to suggest that you might enjoy some of the other stories more. Okay, potentially we could find you Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. <laughs> I liked that cartoon. <laughs> I did. I yeah. enjoyed that. Yes. No idea what you guys really? are talking about. Oh, Watson yeah. was like a cyborg that had all these like tools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Lestrade was uh, this woman, um, and uh, I thought she was pretty attractive For as far cartoon as character? cartoon characters go. And Sherlock Holmes had like absolutely no interest in her, which was awesome. <laughs> um, I have uh, I'm in between books right now, so now would be a good time if you Kay. can if you can hook a fr- uh, hook a brother up. I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can track down. I've got Kay. some on my computer somewhere. Now, All right. as we as we get into the show here. I just thought it was very, very interesting to me how 
long Afghanistan has been a hot spot. I mean, I remember in the 80s when we were growing up and there was the whole Russia and Afghanistan thing and that caused a lot of tension. Yep, Rambo um, 2. We got, you know, now it, it's obviously... Or was it Rambo 3? I think it was Rambo 2. Was the <laughs> Afghanistan one. No. I, I can't keep all the Rambo straight. As far as I'm concerned, there's only one Rambo movie. First and they, they just delivered it in installments. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess I didn't uh, include the Rambo trilogy in my set of trilogies. Anyway, it's just, you know, now it's a hot spot for us today. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was a hot spot back in Arthur Conan Doyle's time. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I apologize. Uh, it's just very interesting to me how that's a perpetual conflict really? zone. Yeah. The Watson in the novels is back from war in Afghanistan. I didn't know that. Yeah. I had no idea. Okay. That's one of the things you've missed. What were, What are they fighting over there? Is it just the land? The poppy fields, I'm supposed uh, Yeah, <laughs> the poppy fields. It's true, they have them. Um, and if you're going to grow poppy, why not do it in Afghanistan? <laughs> well, you can think of several warlords. You might have an answer to that. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's neat. I didn't realize there. I just assumed they were using a device from... From modern times. Modern to modernize times. it. No, that, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what this was so interesting to me about it is I hadn't ever thought about that until the first time I watched through this. And I was like, oh, that that's a good point. Because Watson was in Afghanistan. We have a war in Afghanistan in the 80s. We have a war in Afghanistan in the 90s. It's just kind of been this long-running spot in the world that's just always in conflict. Should, should we run through the list of characters? Like the actors and whatnot, and, and who's going to be playing them? I, I, I don't know how you want to do this. I don't know how I want to do it either. Oh, this is going to be awkward. <laughs> um, Fortunately, there's the internet. Yes. There's really only four important ones, right? Yeah, there. well, there's... Sherlock Watson, the, the lady that owns their house. <laughs> Lestrade. I think of maybe... I can think of a few others. Maybe others. Mycroft Holmes? Mm-hmm. He's he's a power player in this series. Uh, the secretary that won't get off the Texas. <laughs> she was awesome. She was pretty awesome. We've met before, have we? <laughs> uh, I love that. <clears throat> oh, and the uh, Emmy. Is she an Emmy? The the lady who's warning Watson don't get too close to home. No, and no, the uh, one that's trying to seduce Sherlock. Oh, oh the, the, life the, stuff. the lady who works in the morgue. Okay, yeah. okay. So in the role of Sherlock, we have Sherlock Holmes, Benedict Cumberbatch. Is ah, how I'm going to say that. That's one way to pronounce it. I, I that believe... was everyone's homework, as they were supposed to have provided in. Uh, a pronunciation for me. I, I believe that Benny Bear Cumberbund was also an acceptable. <laughs> uh, Martin Freeman does an excellent turn as Dr. John Watson. Yes, and I like him. I really liked him. I think he did a great job. He, his most notable role, in my opinion, uh, Arthur um, from um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Just barely beat out Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> who I think also would have made a great Watson. <laughs> Wow, that would have made a unique <laughs> <role>. dynamic. Yeah, 
They really missed something there. Uh, Either, you know what? It should have been Christopher Lee and Morgan Freeman <laughs> as the role of Sherlock and Watson. It's Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> the geriatric brigade. <laughs> uh, you got Rupert Graves as Detective Inspector Lestrade. Una Stubbs as Mrs. Hudson, which I think Aaron uh-huh. yeah. said that he really enjoyed. Uh, and not, not your maid. <laughs> but she was. Yeah. Um, none of the others, I mean, they, they list a whole bunch of other minor characters. I'm surprised that they don't list, um... Moriarty? Well, no. You don't, we haven't met him yet. We haven't, but he's one of the characters. I'm surprised that they don't list Mycroft on here, uh, for this particular episode. Interesting. He did play a unique part of that episode. Huh. Yeah. A little odd. Uh, I also hey. really liked the villain. I think he did a really good job. Okay. He was all right. Well, he was a villain. He was a bad guy. Oh, Mark Gaddis is the guy's name that plays Mycroft Holmes. He's apparently uncredited ah. in the first episode. Okay. Which I think means his paycheck was much bigger for the second one. Let me ask you a question about Lestrade. From the books... Was Lestrade an idiot? Lestrade was not even a consistent character in the books. Because I know in the movies, the most recent ones with Robert Downey Jr., they make him out to be an idiot. Um, and in this one, they make him out to be kind of an idiot. I don't, I don't know that I'd say in this one he's an idiot. He's certainly not up to the Sherlock level of... Which no one would be. Right. No one will be. I think he's actually a decent police officer in in this series. I think they portray him as a fairly capable, run-of-the-mill detective. Uh, I I would expect to see him in... I I think we could see that character in any American police procedural just fine. Now, so we start off... We're introduced to the character of John Watson. NYPD Blue? I hope not. Lestrade. (laughs) NYPD Blue Lestrade. Or maybe CSI Lestrade. CSI. I can CSI. see being the straight man to, you know, the the weird detective. There's always Caruso? like a... Yeah. <laughs> CSI, Scotland Yard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we, we're introduced initially here to Dr. Watson and the the post-traumatic stress disorder uh-huh. that he's suffering from. After having come back from from Afghanistan... And he's supposed to be maintaining a blog, which I guess... Is that a therapeutic technique now? I guess it's now? So sort of like writing a writing journal. Writing a journal. Yeah, okay. I just... I, I thought it was interesting because I remember when I was seeing a therapist regularly and I was told to write in a journal, I was told to keep it private. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. <laughs> Not quite that dramatically, no? but... Oh, okay. <laughs> they didn't ever throw it into the fire at one point? No, and, and say, like, is it glowing? Hold <laughs> <laughs> well, out your hand. It's quite cool. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I just thought the idea of, of moving that into an online and public forum in the, in the manner which I usually think of a blog, what a, what a weird change that would be. 
in therapeutic techniques now for us to say, oh yeah, it's perfectly normal to put all of your deepest, darkest demons and post them up on a web page. <laughs> Let's announce all of the things that uh, is your weakness yeah. where everyone can see. I, I don't know. If you think about it, what is less read than most people's blogs nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? You have a blog? That's original. <laughs> if, if you keep it you know, un, under your pillow at home, somebody's going to want to read it. What's he putting in there? But if it's just out on the internet, it's, oh, just ignore that guy. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll read it eventually. <laughs> Um, speaking of PTSD, how come we never seem to have seen that from Mal or Zoe? Seemed like they were pretty well adjusted. And as we get going into this, we find out that Watson's really kind of well adjusted as well. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't really have post-traumatic stress disorder. He's got, I mean, he's jonesing for it, really. Like, he's looking for, you know, the fix. Well, that doesn't mean it's not PTSD, though. Okay, fair enough. I I am not a psychologist. I've only played one on TV, so (laughs) I don't know for a fact, but that's my guess. Why didn't we ever see Mal or Zoe? Because it's not heroic. Okay. Also, for him, it goes away when he starts dealing with this stuff. That's right. Mal and Zoe are always dealing with this stuff. It just seems to me like we saw Mal being so plain. Like, hey, he's just really actually a regular guy. I'm just folks. Yeah. I, I just I just think there's, it, in your science fiction... It just fiction, doesn't affect them. In science fiction writing, you, you steer away from showing the, the, the humanity of the characters in certain ways that make them seem... Fallible. Whedon was writing. Yeah, Whedon was maybe writing a comedy more than a tragedy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we get the we get the first person that dies here that commits suicide, and at the press conference where the woman or his ostensibly his wife is reading, you know, a statement that he'd Uh never do this. We see one camera focused off on the mistress as she weeps for this man who, I'm guessing, was his, his, her boss or something. Yeah, she was uh, his secretary, um, and he was a political officer. Like, he was uh, in Parliament, I believe. Oh, okay. Was he an MP? I don't know if he was an MP. And or she was not. in love with him. Yeah. I, yeah, they, they... I mean, it was clear that they had a, a, a relationship a that was... Yeah, an affair was going on of some sort. I just thought it was funny that the way they decided to... to, to depict that to show that to the audience is to say oh yeah there's one camera that's focused and zoomed in so tight on her that it's seeing the teardrops fall from her eyes i just don't think you'd see that at a press conference it's not the typical uh uh setup stuff that you'd want to film but i don't know um it's stalker's camera so then we have a couple more deaths and when now we have lestrade and his assistant or his partner or whatever she is uh having a press conference and this this is this is actually the moment at which i became hooked on this series was as everyone gets the text messages pulls out their phones to read them and it pops up little words floating over everybody's phones this is wrong you know to show us what's in the text message instead of showing us on a, a phone screen that they actually portray things projecting out into the real world that was the moment at which i was like well I, I'm gonna like what these guys are doing here. They're they're playing with the the expectations. They're playing with the medium, and they're taking the medium and saying, "Well, how can we make it new? How can we make it original?" 
I, I really enjoyed what they did with that. I don't know how you felt about it, Pete. Uh, I, it didn't bother me at all. I didn't get over excited like you seem to have. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but uh, what, what I found humorous is being in the position that I am in at my work, that uh, policewoman was saying, man, I wish, I wish we could figure out how he's managing to do yeah. this. It's like, really? Seems like that's pretty easy to send out a mass text to uh, to everybody with the same the word. Seems like that would be I don't know pretty I, easy I, to do. I, I think the premise is that he's doing it from a phone that they can't identify, like they can't stop him because he does it from somewhere that Google Voice. <laughs> <laughs> anonymity right there use it throw it away you're yeah. done yeah. go down to your tech department and say how is he doing this <laughs> so one, one of the one of the great humor moments here is as Lestrade is talking to the press and one of the lady in the press says well well, how can we be safe and his answer is well <laughs> don't commit suicide <laughs> like that was a hard one come on lady Oh, and he catches himself pretty quickly because he knows that is a terrible thing to say. <laughs> well, they're a, all looking a at a situation it. like this. Yeah, um, but I mean, that's what—that's I think how all of us would want to respond <laughs> to a question like yes, that. Definitely. Uh, and so now we have we have uh, Watson again meet uh, an old friend, and they're talking about you know, oh yeah, you know, I heard you were abroad, you were in the army. What happened? Oh, I got shot. So now we find out that there actually was physical trauma as well. Um, and you can see that, I don't know, I, I liked the way Watson was having a hard time with this guy that he went to college with. I mean, it wasn't like they were instantly like buddy-buddy. It, it there seemed was like he, he noticed him and he was like, yeah. oh crap, if I just keep like, walking, uh, he may not see me. Yes. It, it seems like he doesn't want to talk to anybody. He doesn't want to have a friend. He doesn't want to have... He wants to be alone. Yeah. yeah. The guy has to call him several times. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to ignore him. Maybe he'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just like that they, you know, they did this character development implicitly. They didn't tell us about what happened to him so much as they, they showed us what's going on with him. Uh, we, we for The first time we meet Holmes now... The point of view is we are in a body bag, <laughs> looking up as he unzips the body bag, and the look of glee on his face <laughs> at this person's death establishes very, very clearly he's kind of a sociopath. <laughs> he's got some problems here. He's not normal. Yeah. This is not how normal people operate. And then he starts to beat the corpse with a writing crop, and he's clearly having a good time with it. I mean, he was, there was a lot of gusto behind some of those Going swings. Going well, if you're going to beat a corpse, why not get into it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Look, officer, I have him on tape saying if I'm going to beat his corpse, I should get into it. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean... Just the way you said it, it sounded like you thought about this, like, if I'm going to beat a corpse, how am I going to go about it? I don't know that you necessarily choose a riding crop, but if that is the choice that you make, get into it, man. Don't uh, don't uh, dilly dally around on it. You just go and you you just start beating that corpse. <laughs> so we now we get to meet. Now we have Sherlock and Watson meet, and we get to really see Watson or Sherlock's ability to observe every tiny detail. I mean, I've looked at my own cell phone 
looking for scratch marks to see if, yeah, you know, am I making scratch marks on my phone? Hmm. I guess Joey's a drunk. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's the funny thing is actually I have scratch marks and I don't think it's so much that I'm drunk because I'm just careless about plugging in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just, I just thought that was interesting. You know, the, 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 they always talk about his powers of deduction, his powers of deduction. Really, it's, it's his observational skills. And, and that's something that's a lot harder to develop because deduction is, is just logical processes. And, and I think people have the ability for deduction. I think observation is what you're saying, Joey, a, a much harder trait to kind of pick up. To actually take the time to notice everything and then have a memory strong enough to be able to recall it and put all of the pieces together to yeah. then deduce it. I think given, you know, an appropriate amount of time, everyone can, you know, should be able to logically walk through something. Not everybody has paid attention to all of the details to be able to call them forward to make the deduction. That's an excellent way of putting it. and, And that's what Sherlock seems to have. He's got the whole package, but he gains it at a price, which is... I, the man does not know how to deal with normal human beings. See, the problem is that I've paid the same price, but I didn't get the benefit. <laughs> I thought by being awkward around people, that would just make me more like Sherlock Holmes. It just hasn't turned out that way quite yet. <laughs> just need to stick with it a few more decades. <laughs> well, have you picked up the violin? No, that's true. I have not picked up the violin. He plays the violin. You think it's too late for the violin to help me? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I don't actually play the violin myself. My wife plays the viola. Does that count? Um, only if she's going to start cultivating all of the other traits that you have been trying to. <laughs> but uh, as, as I know Dee, Dee I believe she's tried to avoid those traits at all costs. Yeah, pretty well. <laughs> Which would mean you would have to take up the Watson position in the Homes and Watson. Pete, you've had more experience than I have with um, getting roommates. The process and, and the... Well, just, yeah, okay. I mean, I, the the only roommate I've ever had that wasn't my direct sibling is my wife. So, uh, I'm, just, I'm just curious. And just you know, so we're clear, roommate in the sense of we share the same house. Yes. Not the same room. <laughs> John and I... Not in the same room. Because there's a bedroom upstairs if you, you know, need another room. <laughs> there are three. <laughs> and there's he one downstairs. One, I am in another. Just and you've two. had two different, no, three different individuals in the third. Uh-huh. Over the years. There's all yes. kinds here, Pete. It's true. So I, I'm just curious, you know, can you walk us through a little bit how that how that goes? How, how has that experience been for you? Uh, or is that something you can't talk about because you're afraid they may as listen? As far as <laughs> getting the roommates in... I did nothing. Okay. It seemed like they all kind of came to me. Uh, just sort of worked out. It's like, oh, you need a place? Yeah, okay, you can stay here if you want to. Okay. Um, and the keeping, there were some that I was like, yeah, okay, I'm happy you're here. It's all right. There are others that I was, well, that's great. He's gone now. <laughs> I, I am a, a loner. And so I enjoy my space. I enjoy things being in a certain place. When people upset the balance, I get grumpy. <laughs> and then I just get grumpy because that's also who I am. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure I'm much uh, benefit to you. 
Well, you know, I think that in some ways, some of those traits I think we could expect Sherlock Holmes to have. You know, I mean, he's very, he he has he's not necessarily orderly the way you are and tidy the way you are, but he has his order to things and he doesn't like people screwing with it. Yeah, but I, I think he bullies them into where he needs them to be, and I think he kind of wants one. I think he wants a Watson there that he can use as a sounding board or as a even a sidekick, really. Maybe even someone to show off to. Yeah, that's actually an interesting way of putting it. Maybe it is someone to show off to. I hadn't, hadn't considered it that way. Maybe. And then along the way, they suddenly realize... Oh, okay. We're actually pretty good friends. We're, yeah, we, we we get along. We, yeah, yeah, it works with us. So the the story progresses. We we meet the the woman in pink. Uh, she's dead now. Lady in red is uh, dead. I have to adjust my. I have to adjust the levels if you're going to sing. <laughs> Thank you, Chris Isaac. I don't um, know any songs where there's a, lady a woman pink. wearing pink. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, lady in red. That was that's all I got. So we we get to see Sherlock Holmes actually apply those those same deductive and observational skills now at a crime scene. And this is where I really liked the words popping up. Okay, is when he's using his like it's like oh that's how he sees the world, like the things are lining up in his head as they click into place. That was where I liked it. Not when they did it with the phones, but right here where he's... And isn't this also where the point at which he actually walks Watson through the process of the deductive reasoning he did on Watson? Uh, no, they did that in the cab ride there. That's what I'm saying. As they were headed to the, the crime scene this first time, <laughs> yes. that's when he's like, oh, you know, I, I noticed the scratches on your phone, and it's engraved yeah. on the back, and, and so and on. And where so Watson forth. proclaims, brilliant. Yeah. And uh, Until they get out, he says, Harry is my sister. And Holmes is very upset that he missed <laughs> that it could have been a sister. Um, okay, so one of the things that I found disturbing, which I'm confident is never brought up in the books, it is... The two police sleeping with each other? No. Holmes' excitement over murder. And not that he's excited that a murder happened, but there's a mystery... And it involves a murder is like just completely beyond his mind. Just, just, he doesn't know. even care about necessarily the people behind this. It is ah, it's the puzzle. The game is afoot, yeah. you know. And they kind of used that same line. They turned it a little bit and didn't say the game is afoot, um, but it was the same basic idea. Yes, the game has started. We are off to to solve this mystery, and it's like really. Really seem to care about the the people behind this. I personally feel they played that up a little more in the TV show than I got out of the books. Now, well, that's my point. He, I don't think in the books he was that incredibly okay, yeah. dispassionate towards humans. Yeah, he he certainly seemed to care more about the people he was taking the cases for. Yes, I, I think that's fair. I think that I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, so but, wait, so my question, I guess that that was leading to something. Okay. Sorry. Um, should we be concerned about people who are like that? Who are just so excited that, oh, I've got this new play toy, even when it's at the expense of somebody else? Well, I, th I think that uh, a great answer to that question comes to us over the eight seasons of the TV show House. 
who is basically the same kind of pro- he's got the same issue. It's it's all about the puzzle to him. He doesn't care about sure. the people. He doesn't mm-hmm. care about anything that happens as long as he gets his fix. And and that's really the way they ended up portraying it. By the end of the series, you realize mm-hmm. this is a serious addiction that this man has. And yes, he's brilliant. And yes, it fights down all the other addictive behaviors that he has. But does that really make it okay to let the, this I guy... I think by the end of this episode, they pretty much show that. Rather than at the end of the series. I'm talking about House. Oh, Okay. And I'm using House as a point of reference yes. to say, so, you know, I, th- I think we can draw a corollary here and we can see the destructive behaviors that that pursuing the fix turned into for the character of Gregory House. I, I think that there's the same danger here with the character that they're building, the mythos that they're building in this particular version of Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. I, think it, I think it does become, if, if you don't work with somebody like that, to try and pull them out of their shell and to, and to reinforce, you know what, people matter too kind of things every once in a while, it becomes a forced feedback loop. And it, it becomes self-reaffirming. And it's constantly getting stronger and stronger because, look, every time I ignore the person and I pursue, pursue the puzzle, I get results. And so it, it just reinforces every time, yeah, I should, I should just stop caring about humanity. Humanity doesn't matter. It's all about the puzzle. I think that I think that is problematic. I agree. Now, I don't think that I don't draw the same conclusion that the female police officer does, where she says, "You know what? One of these days, it's going to be him. He's going to be the one who actually did the murder, the crime, uh, just so he could play out this sick game, as she likes to refer to it as." And I I don't get that because, well, I. I know enough about Sherlock Holmes yeah. that he is a good person. I don't think that they're ever going to turn this on its head to the point of, oh, no, okay, I guess Sherlock is evil. Yeah, he's an evil guy. He's yeah. just, a, you know, he's he's buddies with Moriarty now. He's the two of them. They're going to go off and become, <laughs> you know, evil doers together. I, I would agree. I, with I, I really don't see that yeah. ever happening. I, I would agree with you there. The the thing that I can see it becoming and where it could become dangerous is where. He just withdraws from the world to the point that it actually degrades his ability to interact with anybody. And, and eventually that would have an impact on on your your sense of morality. I, I think we saw that it did with uh, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. yeah that's a good, good way, good point. Aaron, you'll but I, I also feel that this lady is like, uh, she's, she's kind of like the people in Atlas Shrugged where the... Industrialists are, you know, I wish I could find somebody as smart as me. You think that I want you to be weaker and lesser and, I, I you know, so that I, I seem all great. And I would give anything for a mind like mine. You know, it's, yeah, she I, sees him as this the guy who's just wants to lord everything over, you know, I'm smarter than you, ha ha ha. And he's just. I, I would agree. A, a, big, a big part of her character is Sour Grape's reaction to Holmes' brilliance. Mm-hmm. She's a cop. She's upset that she's not as good as he is. And her, her, her decision to react in that way is just Sour Grape's. It's just jealousy and, and frustration at her own inability to solve what clearly is a pretty serious problem. I mean, you have four dead people now. As you were saying that, I uh, had memories of... Eating sour, sour grapes? grapes? Yes. Oh. I mean, we had grapevines back home, and my brother and I would, you know, dare each other to, to eat them, or we would get our 
you know, nephews and nieces to do it from time to time. I just, I literally had an incredibly strong memory, even so far as to the fact that I could taste it in my mouth. I, I could tell you were tasting it because of the facial expression. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's happened so many times that I'm eating grapes and I hit a sour one and just completely kills the mood. I don't really like grapes anymore. <laughs> so we have the first like real big problem I have with the series is the cab chase as they're running over and under the streets of London, chasing the cab that's trying to get mm-hmm. away. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I was watching. I was watching some other TV show or movie or something, and it was it was a clear parody. I mean, they they wanted to chase a car, and one of the guys looked at them and he's like, "No, no, look, don't don't chase the car. Look, let's run over this field over here. Don't you know that you know if you ever want to catch a car, you just choose a random field and you run across it as fast <laughs> as you can. <laughs> and when you come out the other side, the car will be right there. <laughs> no, no, you're completely taking away the mental powers." That Sherlock has to be able to say, oh, okay, the cab has to go in this direction because I have all of the streets memorized. I'm glad he has all the streets memorized and I, I believe all of that. It's the idea that the cab, he, he has to know where the cab is going for him to be able to do that. And he doesn't know where that cab is going. It's going away. <laughs> and there's only one street that leads away from here. <laughs> you know what? There are one-way streets. In London sometimes. Sometimes. And it's awfully besides, convenient we need there's a nothing de- but. <laughs> we, we need a device, though, to get Watson to let go of, of his cane. cane and start running around through the streets and being, you know, someone who's like, yes, I'm alive again. Yeah. And, 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 and the way Sherlock plays that, I think, is classic where he's like, Oh, you know, there's the knock at the door, and he's like, "Oh, that's somebody with a delivery for you. Would you get the door, please?" And it's the guy. He's like, "Oh, here's, here's your yes. cane." And Who said I'm saying the man at the door? Yeah, and, and and that's the that's the thing that makes Watson go, "Oh, son of a gun!" That limp is psychosomatic. <laughs> yeah, it, it was one of the enjoyable parts of Mycroft uh, when we first meet him, where he. He's like, hey, may I just examine you for a second? And he looks at, he's like, hey, show me your hand. He's like, yeah, you you have a twitch in it. But right now, there's no twitch. And you are under an extreme amount of stress right now. You don't have post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, the person you're seeing is wrong. And it's, you know, he's like, he gets a fix out of it. That's what makes life normal for him. That's what gets him back to normal. Okay, so I don't, I don't have anything else until the, the final scene. I don't know if you guys have other things you wanted to talk about. I should say the scene between Holmes and the cabbie. Arch enemies? Do you think arch enemies really happen in real life? Sure. <sighs> what do you mean by arch enemy? Because I think you're putting a connotation in there that the word does not imply. Um, someone who is the person... Someone who will do anything they can to thwart anything that would ever make you happy. Completely against you, yes. I believe that that really happens in real life. Wow. I believe... I I don't believe that. I do not believe that. I I don't think it's often, but I would say that there are people (laughs) that are that dedicated. 
especially to hatred. I have been that. I have been an arch enemy to people. I have been. There have been people in my life. That I was like, you know what? Never. You will never have a bright day as long as you live. If I can do anything about it, I will do everything I can to destroy you, utterly. Wow, psychopath. No, sociopath. Get this it right. all started after he got. <laughs> You're that. no Sherlock, sir. <laughs> This all started after you got the base and the volcano. (laughs) That's my point, though, is I've accepted that I've enveloped the sociopathy, but I haven't gotten the the observational benefit that's supposed to come. So we see that Watson has a gun. Yes. I totally believe and buy that he has a gun. Not a problem in my mind. Okay. In Came from the military. He has a gun. I, I, I was actually hoping that one of the Bobs would chip in here. I know that they're, they're on Ramadan right now. I hope at some point they will chip in, or maybe Simon, listener mm-hmm. I, can maybe elaborate for us a little bit exactly w- what the gun ownership laws are like there in the UK. Okay, Because I know I, it's not common. It's not. So I'm saying totally okay that Watson has a gun. Okay. Where does he get bullets for it? <laughs> okay, if you're here in Salt Lake City, I can take you to several places. That there's are there's have an ammo store just about every 10, 15 blocks. <laughs> well, not that much, but there, there's plenty of ammunition around here because, you know, uh, they're, um, you know, the, the Second Amendment, sorry, mm-hmm. the yep. Third Amendment, where it allows us to have, you know, Second Amendment allows us to have guns, the Third Amendment allows us to have bullets for guns. <laughs> okay. Don't you remember covering that yeah. in Principles yeah. of an American yeah. Life? <laughs> um, the right to bear bullets, is that? <laughs> <laughs> to chamber them, sir. Um, where in London are you getting bullets? From your army buddies. Uh, your army buddies. <laughs> I, I'm guessing there's at least one like shooting range place there. I just don't think it's that common. I that's the part where I'm not saying I there's like twelve, but I can see one in all of London. You know, I I didn't even have so much of a problem with that. It's the it's the idea that I have a a, a firearm and therefore I'm going to use it pretty casually. Here, I'm going to kill someone and not talk, tell anyone that I did it, not take any responsibility for it. And I thought, boy, that just doesn't seem right. That just does not seem consistent with the character that we've seen of John Watson over the course of this first episode because he shoots that guy and never says a word to anyone other than unintentionally to to Holmes um, and, and he's just so casual about it and I thought no I just I just don't buy that Watson is that disconnected from the act that he just performed goodness we are just jumping all around this episode aren't we <laughs> we are we really are um, so where did you want to go Joey well, I, I, my main question that I wanted to get to here is, do you find the cabbie to be a believable villain, an acceptable villain? Do, were, how did you feel about that scenario that plays out between Sherlock and the cabbie? Um, I would have liked it a little bit more if we could have seen that he had given up on life. Bit more, and he just literally didn't care about humanity okay. and about what he was doing to them. They played him off as someone who kind of had a chip on his shoulder, and he's like, ah, "I'm getting back at the mm-hmm. world, you know, sure, best way I can." And what's awesome is I'm going to get paid for it. Well, his children are going to get paid for it. Yes, 
My biggest issue with him as a, as a villain was that I was supposed to believe how smart he was. I was supposed to... I don't think... I don't know. I, I wonder if whatever poison it is that they're taking, it's sort of like the, uh, the Princess Bride. Uh, Iocane powder? Yes. Where it's like they're both taking the same pill and it's got poison in both of it, but he has some sort of thing that protects him. Now, we're supposed to believe that the, you know one of them is a pill that will keep you safe and one of them is a pill that will kill you. Right. And it's like, hey, you get to choose. And he likes to pretend as though it's some chess game. He's like, and here's my move. And he moves one of the bottles towards his victim. And he's like, that's my move. Which one are you going to take? And... It's, it's you know, all a big psych out. It, He's yes, it, it's supposed to be a die. psych out, but in reality, it doesn't matter. They're going to die anyway, regardless of which one they take. See, I always felt towards this guy that um, he didn't start out like this, thinking he's smarter than everyone. This is, uh, you know, Moriarty teaching him what to do, and he survived so long that he's developed this complex of I must be smarter than all the all the other people. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Never go up against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> That's not a bad uh, impersonation. Um, so I, I really wish that we had an answer because it bugs me that, that I don't know. I don't know. And that's what was bugging Sherlock because yes. he was ready to take it. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was going to take it. And that's how the cabbie was going to beat him. It had nothing to do with really trying to figure out. It was playing his ego. And and that's how he was going to beat Sherlock. So here's the question. Were there other options that Watson had in that scenario other than killing the cabbie? Shoot Sherlock in the hand. Um, he's not good of a shot. I, I guess just shoot the window. Okay. I guess, and then that that rattles it enough that it you know wakes Sherlock out of whatever you know addle-brained haze he was in that was you know stroking his ego. I I would agree. I I feel like any gunshot, no matter where it landed, probably would have been enough to pull Sherlock out of the stupor that he had gone into there. And I I just again, like I said, I I found it odd how Watson was so casual about killing the guy. And then taking no blame for it whatsoever. Uh, I also thought it was weird how he disappeared quite suddenly there. Because <laughs> Holmes turns around looking out and looking over in the other window. And he's like, oh yeah, there's no one there. Apparently the ghost shot them. <laughs> <laughs> I found it odd that it took Sherlock that long to figure out that it was Watson. Yeah. Who had, who had fired the gun. I mean, he's like naming off all of these things about who it could have possibly been. Then he's like, oh, well, I can right, I better, like, I better stop now. Watson shooting and then seeing Holmes turn around and just dropping to the ground. He ducked. Wait a little while for him to stop looking and then I'll sneak out. So Pete, Sorry. Uh, would, would you do it? Would you shoot someone else to... Yeah. Would you have pulled that trigger? Yeah, knowing that that guy is who he is and he's a murderer... 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I, I really don't think I would hesitate in that regard. I'm not sure that I would be as accurate in my aim <laughs> um, because uh, while I fired guns, can't guarantee that I'm that great of a marksman. Okay. Aaron? I think so. Okay. I, the, the question it, is... It's a little bit harder because you don't see him like holding a gun on Sherlock or anything. It's just Sherlock's being a stupid, <laughs> you know, has to figure it out kind of thing. But yeah, I, I can see myself. That, that and that's exactly where I stand. I don't think I could have killed someone to save Sherlock from his own stupidity. I don't think I could have done it. Wow. I wouldn't have disappeared you, you are not, you are not the guy I want backing me up then. <laughs> the, the number of stupid mistakes that I make in my life, I need someone to save me from my own stupidity sometimes. I, I, I prefer to let you, you know, suffer the, the error of your ways, and then you learn, and you don't make that mistake again. No, no. The, the captain doesn't need to do it on his own. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't need to suffer through something to learn about the mistake I was making. Okay. I can see your mistake being, though, just sitting there going, I'm not taking the pill. You're going to have to shoot me. I'm not going to play your stupid little game. I, I would have attacked the guy and just started beating him. <laughs> um, so the question that I think is in all of our minds is, sh- would we have sat down at the table? As Sherlock, he's like going full bore into this. He is going right into the lion's den. No hesitation. Would you have sat down at the table and played the game? Or would you have just said, Police! Hey, police! This guy, he's the one who did it! I think I would have played the game, but I think I would have tried sleight of hand. <laughs> I, I, what I would have liked to have seen played out is identifying what chemical it was that had killed people. What was it? Okay. And then that gives them a bit of a clue, I think. Is there a country agent that I could take sure. before I go? <laughs> yeah, you know, or at least he could then be aware of what the chemical is so he can say, oh, I'm not going to do this. I figured out what your game is because you have taken this the antidote yeah. and there is a way through this. That there is there is no game to this at all. You're just tricking someone into taking a, a poison pill. In my mind, but... I think that's a better way, but you know, then we don't have a cool story and a, and a I, fun ending. I think like Sherlock, I would have wanted to hear the whole and see the whole thing play out of how did you get these people to take it. I, I wanted that. Uh, I wanted I, that information for myself badly enough that I wouldn't have taken the pill. I would have never gotten so far. Like when he stands up and starts to walk away, that's where I would have just – I would have continued to walk away. That, that was the point. That was the line at which Sherlock went further than I would have been willing to go. But I would have gone up to the point of, yeah, I want to see, you know, what is the one thing you said to them that actually convinced them to take this? Mm-hmm. I think I would have gone to the table. Wow. I mean, I know I'm known for my laziness, but one of the things that can get me to put some effort into stuff is a really interesting puzzle. To, to you know, figure out that thing that nobody else can figure so out. Exactly. Life on the line. And you, you can walk away. You don't even have to put your life on the line. You'd still walk into it. To hear the the secret? Uh-huh. I think so. Aaron, I have a puzzle for you. It's, a, <laughs> it's an incredibly tough puzzle that no one has ever been able to solve. I want to see if you can solve it. That's right. <laughs> How to lose weight. <laughs> 
Uh, we, have, we have any listener comments? We do. Um, this is from Brainy Smurf. He says, "It is. Uh, is it not? Not. Ugh. Is it <laughs> nice not being me? It must be so relaxing." I like how this quote from Sherlock <laughs> perfectly describes the nature of our socially inept, hypercharged, darkly brooding hero. I like how Moffat defies the Joseph Campbell mold. Sherlock's passion links him to the activity of criminals, yielding a misunderstood, eccentric loner, further separating himself from society. The passion for the character um, John Watson is in his ability as a healer, linking him to warfare. Again, we have a weird connection. Both Sherlock and Watson require a force of darkness to ignite their superpowers. Now, I don't mean to steal anyone's thunder, but I love when Watson remarks to Sherlock, that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever done. And Sherlock says, and you invaded Afghanistan. Just as a Game of Thrones sets up a war between humans and the others, a study in pink sets up a war with Moriarty! What larks uh, this will be. Thank you, Overlords, for covering the brilliant Moffat remake. Sci-Fi 2, TV 8, <laughs> Western. Western 4. <laughs> Can't wait till next week. Hail to the throne of Druplets from your dark side. A bat ambassador brain smurf. Thanks, man. Brainy, if you could have seen the priceless look on Pete's face as he rolled his eyes yeah. at the fact that you gave a Western reading. And a sci-fi reading. You, you would be going and giving Western readings to everything at random. <laughs> I rate this burger a three on a Western scale. <laughs> is, that the, is that it for That's listener it. comments? That's all we've okay. got, yeah. All right, Pete, you want to start us off with your TV rating? Um, I am going to say eight. I, I think this really captures people's imagination. I think the acting was really well done. I think the story is all there. Um, there were a couple of things that I, you know, thought was a bit odd. Um, like what? The, uh, not necessarily odd. Maybe I chose poorly there. I wouldn't have done things the way that they had done them. I would have chosen something else. Um, but, uh, one of the things I really enjoy is the chemistry between all of the characters. I think the actors did a wonderful job being able to be with each other and have the appropriate level of either disdain or caring or what have you. I think all of that gelled really well. Okay. Aaron, television rating. I'm giving this one a nine. I really just thoroughly enjoyed this this episode um i knew i would love the, the i would watch however many they put out just based on this one um in fact there's one point where the villain is uh the, the cabbie is saying you're just a man but there's so much more and it, it shows uh sherlock holmes lip quiver i like that that is a awesome actor to be able to portray just the Small amount of just hatred at being called, you know, common right there. Um, yeah, so. I, I also am going to give this a nine. I, I know that within at least 72 hours of watching this episode, I had told everyone that I respect, 
hey, you need to watch this series. This is this is brilliant television that's happening right here. Uh, I don't I, I don't do that a whole lot where I just tell everyone across the board. I don't care what your interests are. Watch this. You're going to find something to enjoy in it. Pete, how about a mystery rating? Mystery rating? No, I don't have a mystery rating. <laughs> Aaron? I'll give it a five. Okay. I think, you know, it's... it's... <laughs> What's wrong, Pete? <laughs> Nothing? It's, right. it's not I, that I mysterious once they actually get into the mystery part. It's, it's more of an introdu- introduction to the homes. I enjoyed Mycroft's mystery. Of who this guy was. He's like genuinely like had like, me convinced. So you really do care about him. He, he really was Moriarty. I, I really thought he was Moriarty. I, I gave it a three on a mystery rating. I think as a, as a mystery, it kind of fell flat for me. Like I said, I just don't feel that the character of the cabbie was... I, I didn't buy the story that they were trying to sell me about who, what kind of villain he was and how this... This ridiculous game that he was playing was leading people to commit murder because, as I said, I would have just gotten up and walked away once I knew what the secret was. I'm like, yeah, all right, that's that's all I need to know. Thanks. <laughs> have a pleasant evening. Police will be here to arrest you shortly. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I looked quite over that quite a bit because I liked the actor's portrayal. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of The Homestarmy Presents Trek West 5. We hope that you've learned something, had some laughs, and we always invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com or you can tweet us at hashtag trekwest5 or call and leave us a voicemail at 801-788-4913 so until next time I am Joey and I am Peter and thanks for listening